Hello and welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with Schwan Humes. Um, with the uh, uh, sports world and MMA slowing down, not much happening, I'm going to try and do these a week um, with my other podcast, probably one tomorrow um, with WrestleMania coming up on Sunday. So uh, I was having trouble with my PC, which is why we didn't do one last week, but it seems to be working better now. I'm not on my PC right now. Anyway. Uh, I'm just sitting here. And um, I'm sure you're just sitting there, too. But yes, the, topic, the topic this week is when will women's MMA consistently be at an elite level? And uh, Schwann's the one who wanted to do this topic, so I'm going to let him start. Yeah, the topic came up to me just because you see the disparity between women's mixed martial arts and men's mixed martial arts, which to a degree is understandable because women's mixed martial arts hasn't been around at the highest level as long as men's mixed martial arts. But it's it's kind of hit a plateau as far as the excitement for fights and the buildup for fights and what I feel is the investment in the female fighters. And part of that, I, I feel, is because the talent level hasn't matched the men's divisions. In the men's divisions, you could have guy from 1 to 15 and they're comparable talents. In the women's divisions, pretty much you have two or three fighters who might be elite or close to it, and then everybody else is two to three steps below them, if not four to five steps. And I think that hurts the product, the fights you actually see. I think it hurts building up fan bases for the fighters. I think it hurts building up excitements for the fights coming up because you have a bunch of average athletes with average skills competing against each other and pretty much engaging in pretty average fights. Okay, let's talk about the reasons for this. Go ahead. I think a lot of it, right off the bat, is just a matter of athleticism. We don't have a lot of actual, real, physical talents in the divisions. You have, like I said, in Bantamweight, you got Amanda Nunes, maybe Holly Holm, maybe Aspen Ladd. That's three. At Featherweight, really all you have is Amanda Nunes. Even at Strawweight and Flyweight, I mean, how many really dynamic athletes do you have in there? You have a bunch of girls with average hand speed, average power, average physical strength, all trying to fight each other and it's like it doesn't create finishes it doesn't create exciting fights it doesn't create damage and all those things are what draws in fans and draws in ratings and build excitements for these fights okay so I, here's what i'm going to go into i'm going to go into the reasons for this problem okay so number one okay you've got fighters female fighters who are hired by the ufc for reasons other than their fighting ability. And I'm talking about sex appeal. Who does this start with? It starts with Paige Van Zandt. Okay? We all know that Paige Van Zandt isn't a very good fighter. Okay? But she has sex appeal. And um, there's some people who think she can still be a draw. Now, the interesting thing about Paige Van Zandt is that when she fights her next fight in the UFC, that's it. She's gone. And it's her last fight in the UFC. I believe she's leaving. She's going to go to uh, Bellator, where her – is she married to Comerford now? I believe he, she is. And so he fights for so. Bellator. So I expect her to go there. And the thing about her, people still try and tell me that, oh, she's a draw. She's a draw. But what they don't understand is that the new deal with ESPN changed everything. They're not dependent on ratings anymore. Okay, when UFC was on Fox, 
Page was very important for the Fox shows to draw casual fans. Okay. It's not, she's not necessary anymore with the ESPN deal. They don't care about ratings. They care about ESPN plus memberships. And so I don't think the sex appeal thing is as big an issue. You know, there's been other fighters who have been there mainly for their sex appeal. Rachel Ostovich comes to mind immediately. She's just not very good. And she shouldn't be in the UFC. And there have been a few others like that. Okay, reason number two. We all know that it happens from time to time that the UFC has to bring in fighters on short notice to replace injured fighters or whatever it is. And that is going to lower the talent level of women's MMA in the UFC. That's all there is to it, because most of these fighters who come in on short notice simply aren't UFC fighters. They don't belong, most of them, in the UFC. And that's it. Okay? Now, I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, there was a UFC show. Uh, I believe it was in St. Louis in January 2018. And there were four women's matches on the show. And all I heard after that show was how bad those matches were. Well, you want to know why they're bad? Because of the eight women fighters on that particular show, five of them were got to the UFC as late notice, short notice replacements. And so that's the reason, because they aren't good enough. And what happens in a lot of cases with some of these fighters, most of them get their, you know, one contract in the UFC – and that's it that they're gone. Okay. Now, the third reason is the failure of um, the ultimate fighter to develop uh, women's talent. And, and to a, a, a lesser extent, though still accurate, is the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, which I think in general has been a failure. Okay. So they haven't done an ultimate fighter in a couple, in, in, since 2018. But I don't think there's any question that the additions of the Ultimate Fighter that had uh, women on it, especially the one for flyweights and featherweights, were just awful. They were complete failures. Not, I don't know. There may have been, you know, two or three decent fighters that came out of those shows. Okay, a lot of the flyweights that were on that show are either fighting at uh, uh, at uh, uh, bantamweight or strawweight. And in, in, in the featherweight, a lot of them dropped down like Macy Chason, dropped down to uh, uh, um, uh, Bantamweight and, and uh, Penny Kianza. It's another one. And so they were just, it's just been a failure. And with the, the contender series, part of the problem you run into with the contender series is the fact that the matches that are usually set up for that show are squash matches. So you have somebody who's supposed to win and you have somebody who's supposed to lose. And sometimes neither of them are any good. <laughs> and, um, you know, the one decent female fighter who came out of the contender series is uh, Macy Barber, who, of course, is now injured. Okay. But and Tracy Cortez the, isn't uh, bad. Uh-huh. I'm sorry? I said Tracy Cortez isn't bad. Not to me. No, she's a good fighter. But, you know, we saw her before in Invicta. So she didn't really come out of the, the uh, contender series. You know, we had seen her previously in Invicta, so I already knew she was pretty good. Okay, but the point is, most of them 
haven't worked out. They either I didn't get a contract, or in the case of someone like Lauren Mueller, she looked very good in her match in the Contender Series. And then when she had matches actually in the UFC, she went one and three and then got released. Okay? So there's your three primary reasons that it's been a problem. Okay? Can they do anything about this? Well, that's the question, right? I don't think they can, though. I think you have girls with 10 and 15 fights who aren't much better than girls with five to seven fights, not athletically, not skill-wise, not in really, really any, any tangible sense. Well, as, you bad know, as, as bad as some of these girls are, you could say they're bad, but they come to the UFC, they don't just get dominated. They're not knocked out in one round. They're not just finished in one round. It's split decision losses. which means Because well, what we're talking about is that a lot of these girls are low-level fighters. They don't belong in the UFC, and they're afraid to take any kind of risk. And the only way you can win a fight uh, in a dominant fashion is to take a risk. And it's like, I, what, what do I always talk about? I talk about fighters who are not fighting to win but they're fighting to not lose. And there's a huge difference between those two things. And it's but part of that. Part of that's because of the fact they work with men who fight. And in the men's, in the men's divisions, there's a price to pay for the risk you push. So they, they fight more strategically in the women's divisions. There's not that big a price because you don't have a lot of high end athletes, but they don't, they don't make that adjustment in their training. Yeah, that that could be too. Like I said, I just think that in a lot of cases, what you're running into is they're not top fighters. They're just trying to survive so they can make money. Okay. And, and some of them do, and some of them don't, some of them are gone in like, um, in like three fights, like they get their three fight contract, they go one and two, or they lose all three and they're gone. And, and like I said, a lot of it is late repl- is, is short notice replacement because they're cl- most of those, not all of them, but most of those are clearly not UFC caliber. They don't belong in the UFC. That's all there is to it. And so what they're doing is they're fighting other fighters that don't belong in the UFC. So these girls aren't stupid. They know they don't belong in the UFC. So the only way to survive is to have close fights, you know, and, and, you know, they're not going to release somebody who loses by split decision. You know, they're, they're going to release somebody who suffers two really bad losses. You know, that's what they're going to do. So it, it's just something that I'm not sure if there's a solution to it. Because you're always going to have a mix of good talent and a mix of not so good talent. The problem, as you said, that you run into because of the reasons that I was talking about is you get kind of overloaded with the not so good talent. And I also want to point out that they brought in fighters that they thought were good, but haven't had good results in the UFC. And I'll give you two fighters who are an example of that. Ariane Lipsky. Okay. You know who she is, right? She's the Brazilian girl who was a, who was a champ in KSW. In KSW. So they call, you know, she dominated in KSW. She came to the UFC. I mean, she got clobbered by, she got beat very easily by Joanne Calderwood. You know, Joanne Calderwood shouldn't have dominated her, but she did. And then she lost, yeah. by, and then she lost by, lost by split decision to, of all people, Molly McCann. <laughs> if you're going to lose to those two fighters, why are you there? 
They weren't looking for that from her. And I'll give you another one. Former Invicta strawweight champ, Verna Jandaroba. She looked great in Invicta. She's looked awful in the UFC. So they, I, I think there's been fighters that they expected more from, and they haven't got it. And, you know, that's part of the problem. But I think a lot of it is they need to do a better job of developing talent in the first place. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't know if that's their fault. Like, it's not, I always tell people, because I've worked with fighters and I'm like, it's not the promotion's job to develop you. It's your team and your job to develop yourself. Well, it's, you it, there, it's their job. Supposed- it's their job to scout talent, not necessarily to develop it. Okay. But it's their job to know when somebody is good or when somebody isn't good. But the problem, like I said, I think the biggest problem is the late replacement, the 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 short notice replacement thing, because then you take what is you it, is it, is that, is that really the problem? Because if the fighters were better, you could have short moment replacements and still get good fights. The problem is you have to accept fighters that you normally wouldn't hire. True enough, but it's it's like it's like I have kids who play basketball. They all play, and they're always well. I don't get this playing time. Blah blah. blah. At some point, you're going to get your chance. It's your job to be ready. I don't care if they bring you in for the last last quarter and you haven't played all game long and you haven't played all season long. You complain about playing time. You complain about getting an opportunity. It's your job to be ready for the opportunity when it comes. That's your job. Yeah. That's your job as a fighter. Yeah, except that when you're talking about a late, uh, short notice replacement, the expectations are usually pretty low. I mean, even... I understand because I've worked, I've had fighters who last second they were like, hey, I need you to break this person down and I, and, and I understand what you're saying. I'm not trying trying to crap on that, but the point is... As a fighter, even if you're not, the expectations are low, even if you're supposed to be a walkover f- opponent, it's your job to be in the best shape. It's your job to have your skill set on point so when you get that opportunity, you can make the most of it. I mean, that that's what it comes wow. down to. You need to be trained appropriately. You need to be wake, working on weaknesses and developing solid strategies and doing the film work and being ready for that opportunity. And I don't – to navigate, if you don't have the talent, if you don't have the talent, then your work ethic and your IQ has to be flawless. Yeah, and it's but- not there. It's, it's just, in most cases, they're fighters that don't belong in the first place. So, you know, sometimes you kind of get desperate. You kinda, we've seen this before. We've seen fighters that are brought in, basically. We've seen fighters brought in, you know, do you remember a few months ago in that show in Brazil, there was a fighter brought in the night before. I mean, what do you expect from that? You know, and they should have canceled the fight, obviously. That was when Veronica Macedo canceled at the last minute. Eh? She got sick. Okay. And they brought in a, fu- a Brazilian fighter because the show was in um, Brazil, I believe. And they brought in a fighter, a Brazilian fighter, with basically one day's notice. Okay. So the problem is when you do stuff like that, what do you expect? What do you expect? I'll tell you another thing. They wasted a lot of time developing the featherweight division when they should have tried to maybe develop the, the atomweight division instead. That would have been a much better choice. Okay? Do you agree with that? Yeah. I, I, I think they were trying to maximize what they had at the moment. It didn't work, did it? No, well, most of the things they do don't work. It, well, a lot of the stuff they w- works is by accident. It's not because they're great planning and marketing. It's literally so, somebody outperforms, and that m- makes them seem like geniuses. So this brings me to uh, where they get the fighters from. 
And let's face it, a lot of them these days are coming from Invicta. Okay. And um, yeah. the problem with Invicta is I don't think they're doing as good a job developing talent as they could. And, and, and I think a lot of it is um, what they've been doing is they've been hiring a lot of fighters who just got released from the UFC and really probably shouldn't even be in the fight business. Okay. Like Pearl Gonzalez, for example, <laughs> and somebody like that. And, and, I'm not even sure what the goal is when they bring somebody in like that. No, I, I, they're trying to, they're trying to appeal to a demographic, obviously her, her, her culture, her demographic, she's attractive. So they're trying to play that up. And this is, it's the same issue I have when they talk about guys who are like poster boys and whatever. You mean like like Faber? Yeah, something like that. But the, the, the fact of the matter is you can't control whether you have this look or this charm to get you get you an opportunity which you can control is your ability to make the most of that opportunity and that comes down to skill work i've had conversations with these camps and i'm like dude i've been working with y'all for three years she has not gotten one lick better from the first year she's worked with you she still can't do this she still can't do that they're like we're just waiting for the big ufc call up and i'm like what's going to happen when you get there is you're going to get beat up She's going to lose, and she's going to be out of there inside of three fights. No, no, we're working on her. You're not working on her. I'm watching the film of mm-hmm. her. She's no better. You're not preparing her. So, so let me ask you this question, because I, I know the answer. I, I know what my answer to this question is. Who's the worst female fighter to ever appear in the UFC? And, and she doesn't have to be somebody who's there now. She would be somebody that was there and then got released. Maybe Sheila Gaff? She's not it. You're close. Hmm. <laughs> My opinion, and she actually lasted for like two, three, two, three years. She's in Invicta now. Kaylin Curran. Hmm. Okay. And you want to know why? Uh, great athlete. Great talent. Physical talent. She has physical talent, but she has this problem where she totally loses concentration during a fight. Okay, this is something that her coach basically acknowledged that she just can't seem to keep on track during a fight. If you watch her fights when she was in, go back and watch her fights when she was in the UFC. Okay, she lost at least three fights where she was winning and then she just totally lost it. She lost concentration and lost the fight. It happened to her at least twice, maybe more than that. And that's why she's – they couldn't – her coach couldn't figure out how to do this with her. I, when I was talking about this on my blog when I was reviewing her fights. I said, I don't know if they can do anything with her because the problem is that with her isn't physical. It's completely mental. I don't know if it's a mental problem or it's just a case of where she just doesn't have the IQ. So I really wasn't sure about that. But – her habit was losing concentration during fights, and you could see it in every fight when it happened. Okay? Yep, she can't maintain focus. Yeah, and the, her coach admitted that it's a problem. Well, what are you going to do about the biggest, it? The, the second part of her problem is, is also because she's such a good athlete. Like, she, she'll, lose, she'll lose focus in fights many times, but she's got enough athleticism in size that she could get out of bad situations, but you can only do that so yeah, often. Yeah, it just there comes a point where you can't do it anymore. You know, it, it just comes to a point where you can't do it. So that's why she didn't last in the UFC. She didn't last in the UFC because she can't keep her mind straight. 
Okay. And who did you mention again? Uh, Sheila, Sheila Gaff. Gaff. Well, you know, the funny thing about her is uh, when I've seen her before, she wasn't that bad. I don't know what the hell happened to her. You know, I had seen her before. You know, there's other ones that are bad, too. I mean, you know, one who's currently in the UFC, she just announced that she's pregnant. Yana Kunitskaya. She's awful. She's just god-awful. And, and I don't know what they see in her. Well, I know what they see in her. She's attractive. You know? So that's what you see with this. It's like, have you ever have you ever noticed some of these fanboys that are out there that are, you know, that are, are smitten with certain female fighters? You know who I see this a lot with? Megan Anderson. Yeah, Megan Anderson. She's got a look, but she's not. She just can't. She's not a very good fighter. No kidding. I, don't, I won't say she. I won't say she's terrible. I just will say that. She she doesn't seem to be aware of what how she should best fight. And to be honest, she's just not very physically talented. She's got a great look for a fighter. She, but she doesn't have the she doesn't have the physical tools, nor does she have the, the, the width of skill. And here's the funny part about her. She used to be worse. Okay, when she was in Invicta, in her early days in Invicta, because okay, she's from Australia. And the the fact of the matter is a lot of the Australian fighters just don't have great training down there a lot of them just they're not trained properly or something so what happened with her is in her early fights in Invicta you could see she was very unskilled the, the thing that she did that was smart was she moved to the US and started training with James Krause and he really helped her she'll never be an elite fighter because she just isn't good enough but he's made her passable Okay, and she if she had stayed in Australia, she never would have made the UFC. Well, she might have because of her size. But other than that, well, he's made her passable at 145, which is like being passable at light heavyweight. That's right. That's right. That's but but they needed somebody like that. Right. That's the whole point. They they what they do. The problem you run into with the UFC is everything they do is based on immediate need. Right. So, uh, well, they're, they're very, re very reactive. No that's why kidding. They yeah, that's the whole point. And so if, if they were to think about it, they never would have done a, a, a featherweight division in the first place. They would have let Cyber go because she's more trouble than she's worth. Yes, I know she's a draw, but she's still more trouble than she's worth. And, and uh, uh, you know, so that's the whole thing. So it really, a lot of the problem that you're talking about comes down to the UFC not thinking in the long term. They're thinking in the short term. Okay? And, and when I evaluate fighters, uh, uh, whether I'm doing it here or whether I'm doing it on my blog or whatever, I'm looking at the long term. Okay, this girl won this fight. Can she beat anybody good? And that's what we have to find out in a lot of cases. In a lot of well, the the other issue tends to be the age issue. Some of them come in so late. There's no even if they're getting better, they need to get make huge leaps in the next th two to four years. They don't have ten years to go. You mean like Marion Renault? Marion Renault. You could put Lauren the Murphy in that She's kind of group. Awful. I mean, even 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 Rachel Ostevich isn't isn't really all that young. If we're being honest, Roxy Modifari, she. She got she she took a huge turn, but that was after she was in her mid thirties. Yeah, I mean, uh, she's somebody who's actually improved mostly because of uh, uh, John Wood, 
and um, yeah, he can't stand me. <laughs> mostly because of John Wood, but he's a, he's helped her. Okay, there was a time when Roxanne would not throw a punch; she refused to punch. Can you believe that? No, I believe it. I watched a lot of yeah. MMA, so she wouldn't throw a punch. She should have quit fighting at that time, but she went down to Vegas, and actually, John Wood convinced her that she can throw punches now <laughs> you know but i mean a lot of them what they do is they get to a certain level they don't improve their skills and they still think they're elite fighters i mean i could say sarah kaufman and probably get i, I could say sarah use sarah kaufman as an example of that sarah kaufman back in 2010 when i first heard of her might have been looked at as an elite fighter but she never got better to be to be fair, if you take out Amanda Nunes and Ronda Rousey, she she essentially would have been a champion. They wouldn't have been able to stop her. Yeah, well, you know, you remember maybe the the, the problem with her is she basically is good at one thing. Okay, she's good at punching, and other than that, she's really not much good at anything else. And I, I also want to point out that back in her strike force days, she had one of the worst fights. It, it, this fight, it was, it was her fight against Takayo Hashi. Okay? And that fight was so bad that Showtime was trying to talk strike force into getting rid of women's MMA. That's how bad that yeah, fight well, was. That, that's right back at the same situation. We started originally that... Uh... That a lot of these girls, the ones they're not, they don't, they don't have a wide range of skills. They don't have a deep set of skills. But if you, you have enough athleticism, you can navigate that. Francis Ngannou isn't very skilled, but he's a dynamic yeah. athlete. He's a dynamic puncher. Um, there's, there, there's been there, Drew McFedries was never a great fighter, but he was able to extend a career because he was a dynamic athlete, dynamic yeah. puncher. Yeah. A lot of these girls are average skills, and what's worse, they're average in, in their athleticism. So the fights become back and forth slogs instead of anything with any sort of exciting excitement or, pro, or prolonged excitement because they lack the athleticism to do damage or get out of bad spots and they don't even have the skill to do damage or get out of bad spots it's like a it's like a double tap of of, of i don't want to say mediocrity but a harsher person would say mediocrity well you know you're going to have a mix of everything that's the whole thing that's the whole thing so well that's, we want a mix but that's the thing we can't get a mix we pretty much have Two or three really good fighters, and then a bunch of average fighters. There's no mix. There's no in between. It's you're either this or you're that. Okay, so let's let's talk about this a little bit. So let's talk about fighters that are not in the UFC right now that maybe should be in the UFC. Name three. Um. Well, I would say McFarland, but she's another well, organization. Let's forget about her because she's in Bellator and she ain't going anywhere. Mm, I don't really know. I I don't know. I think they're uh, I have a really hard time really thinking. Mostly Asian fighters that I, I can think of. I can't think of too many American fighters I would think of. Well, I'll give you the number one fighter that I would love to see in the UFC, though I don't think they can get her, and that's Kanako Murata. Okay? Because she's with Ryzen, and she's also been fighting for Invicta. But I don't know how much money Ryzen would want to, to, to draw her away. I really don't know. Okay? But she's somebody I would go after because she's a skilled fighter. You know, she's a skilled fighter. She could fight at a higher level, no question. Okay? Um, other ones, 
it's difficult to say because a lot of the fighters that are at Invicta, we don't know how good they are. Who was the one who was a, she was a Japanese fighter. She was the, the female Sanderlei, Vanderlei. Hama. Oh, you're thinking of uh, Ham So He. Yeah. Well, she was in the UFC. It, it, at, at the correct weight class. I mean, she did, she, she didn't do all that bad fighting people who are much, much bigger. No, than I'll her. tell you what happened. At with the correct- her, okay. Her contract ran out. They wanted to keep her. Okay. They offered her, they offered her a new contract. Okay. But she instead went with, um, road FC in, in like her, they're in Korea, right? She went with road FC. Mm-hmm. First of all, she's a natural attaboy, not a straw. Weight. That's number one. Number two, she's a bigger star in Korea. Now that she's been in the UFC, she's actually probably a better fighter today. She's also the rising, um, Adam Wade champ right now too, eh? Cause she beat uh, Ayaka Hamasaki last uh, Christmas. Okay. So they wanted to keep her, but she can make a whole lot more money. What doing what she's doing now uh, in, um, in Korea. Who, who's the girl who just beat the, uh, who beat uh, that girl in Bellator, the red queen. Oh, you're talking about Rena. No, no, no. Uh, because this girl, this girl from Brazil, she beat oh. Beck Rawlings, and then she fought a girl from Risen. Or did we already mention her? I'm trying to think. Are you talking about? Uh, I'm trying to think. Are you talking about? She beat Beck Rawlings. Right, Where did she girl. beat Beck Rawlings? Yeah. There was no the Brazilian girl beat Beck Rawlings in Bellator, and then she yeah. fought this Japanese fighter like right after that. And this girl, I think she fights for Risen. Maybe you already named her. Uh, what's her name? The Red Queen, Arya Stark, is what she goes by. Dang. I deal with her manager, and I, I always forget because he told me about this. Um, uh, just, just get, go ahead. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I don't. Don't recall who you're, who you're referring to. She, she's from. Yeah, Lara Joanne. She fought somebody from Risen. Who did she fight? She fought. Who was it in Risen that uh, she fought? So she, Risen. She's that, in. That, 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 is she yeah. in Adam Waits because she fought Risen? Mm, I think she fought at she. I think she fought at flyweight. In, no, in they've never had any flyweights in Ryzen. They've had atom weights. They have. They have basically two straw weights, which is Kaneko Murata and Rena. So I think you're talking about um, uh, Lindsay Van Zant. Hang on a second. Who is she fighting? K- Kana Watanabe. Kana Watanabe is a flyweight. You're right about that. Yeah. Well, I don't know who you're referring yeah, to. Yeah, she. she Kana, now, yeah, there's Kana somebody Watanabe. That, that I would be interested in. Kana Watanabe. Yeah, that's, uh, that's who I was trying to oh, get to. Oh, Kana Watanabe? Her, her, yeah, 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 yeah. I posted a couple of work. Her management told me about that I, fight. I posted a, and I was like, I don't I think posted a couple of workout <laughs> videos of her the other day. Okay. Yeah, she, she's, she's Yeah, good. she's another one who has a wrestling background. Okay, so she, if you, you were thinking of Kana Watanabe. Yeah, yeah, I was just trying to put all the pieces together. Yeah, that's okay. Long, that's long okay. way around. I just couldn't remember. Who, I couldn't think of who you were trying to refer to. Yeah, I mean, she's somebody I would go after. Um, you know, there aren't that many over there anymore. Most of them are atom weights. You know, so this is why I say maybe they should start an atom weight division. But you'd run into the same problem, regardless of whether you're talking about straw weight or atom weight or fly weight. Some of these fighters just aren't good enough. And that's really the bottom line. 
No, I understand. I just, like I said, I'm waiting to when they turn that corner. Because, like you said, at one point, Forrest Griffin was considered or an elite fighter. Two or three years later, Forrest Griffin couldn't even be in the top 15. Well, I think it's a lot more difficult at this point. And women's MMA has only been around since like 1996. And really, there have only been, if you look at it, like as far as elite fighters go, there have maybe been a dozen at the most. Okay starting with Megumi Fuji. And that's it. They're just fighters who maybe were considered to be elite back in the early 90s, in the mid-90s. You know, they really weren't. You know, even Ronda Rousey turned out to not really be an elite fighter. She turned out to be dominant for about a year, year or two. And then people figured her out. Yeah, but like 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 we talked about before, when people started bashing her, they're like, "Well, Amanda Nunes is much better." I'm like, "Yeah, but Amanda Nunes lost the four girls that Ronda Rousey beat in under even a minute, so we can't, can't we can't question her, her her level of opposition because they've essentially beat they the same did. fighters. Only difference is she beat she beat Holly Holm, she beat Holly Holm, who both of them fought. But outside of that, they've beaten the same fighters, and she's she's beaten one fighter Ronda hasn't beaten." And Ronda's beaten four girls who've beaten her by decision, submission, and knockout. Well, I so. think what helped Amanda uh, in her case was uh, moving to ATT and and getting really and getting oh, really yeah. settled there. It, and I, th- it helps a lot. And I, I respect her her improvements, but you know you can't you can't question someone's caliber proposition when you you've outright lost right. to those that's same right. people. That's it, right. It's very yeah, hypocritical. That's right. And and I think that. The fact that her, she, her home life is very stable and stuff like that, I think that's made a big difference with her. And I think uh, when she first came to the U.S., she was training basically with the guys that she trained with in Brazil. And they had a, uh, where were they? They were in New York State somewhere. And it just, she ended up leaving and going to another uh, gym in Florida. And it was actually in Florida where she met Nina Ansarov. And that's how she ended up at ATT. You know, and, um, um, you know, it, it's ended pretty well. <laughs> I mean, she's doing great. So, uh, yeah, but and once again, she's, she's, she's an above average athletic talent, but it's like I said, now, now you see what happens when you have a fighter with some talent and you direct them in right. the right manner. That that's the same well, that's difference. A lot, I think a lot of these camps, I know they don't have the best talent, but they're not even direct, directing them in a manner that maximizes the talent. I think you got to live a lot of credit to her coach, which is uh, Conan Silvera. You know, he he's uh, he's the one who's really done it with her. Yeah, and and I, I give him that credit. And there's other people who have these girls who aren't improving. I I have to hold them accountable. I'm yeah. like. They haven't gotten better. They'll never be elite, but they haven't gotten better, and that's a concern. Yeah, well, I, like I said, I, I don't know what the answer is to this. Uh, I think it's going to continue the way it is. I think you're going to have fighters who are elite fighters who will fade, like you're seeing that now with Joanna. She's not an elite fighter anymore. You know, she was. Yeah, yeah, but she's surrounded by so many non-elite fighters that she well, can be around be for a long time a certain extent, if she wants but to. But I actually agree with you where I think that if she gets a rematch with uh, Whaley, she's going to retire once she loses. So that's she's yeah. been talking about that already. So that that's it. I mean, the bottom the bottom line on it is I understand the problem, but I don't think there's a solution to it. Okay, other than you know maybe. 
um, um, Mick Maynard and, and uh, Sean Shelby need to do a better job of scouting talent, you know, and, and I think sometimes they do a good job and sometimes they fail, but they need to do better scouting. And these, I'm going to say it again. I, I have to hold these coaches. You get paid to do a job. If you can't do the job, let the girl go and find somebody else or just stop representing her. Yeah. But she's been with your camp for three or four years. She's no better by her four, her sixth fight than she was at her second fight. Even if she's the problem, she's making y'all look bad because she's not getting any do you better. Think there's a bunch of fighters out there right now, female fighters that we're all familiar with that really need to switch camps. Oh, there's well, a ton of them. Maybe that's something we need to talk about more in detail at some point. I don't know. If you yeah, want to name definitely. names, I have no problem. With it. But, you know, it's up to you. Yeah. I'd have to start looking into it, but I'd be willing. I mean, I'm calling people out on a regular basis anyways. You'd be surprised how many emails Listen, we're calling we're be, people who are quite We're going to be doing this once a week. And so we got to come up with stuff. So I can come up with stuff. You can come up with stuff. But we're going to come up with stuff. So I think, I think we've beaten yep. this dead horse. And uh, uh, I think we've beaten this dead horse. We're going to try and beat another one next week. But uh, before we get on to the, the finish here, I wanted to uh, uh, make a couple of comments here. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to say to everybody out there with this uh, coronavirus thing going on, please, please stay home for the most part. Be safe. Uh, um, I uh, was out this morning, actually. I did my groceries. And I, usually that's the only thing I go out for nowadays. I'm, I'm going out to do that. And I'm also going to the... Uh, uh, the local store here that has a Tim Hortons in it. I buy my breakfast there. And I, there was two guys in the store this morning. Yeah, they got into a, almost got into a fight against each other. Why are people fighting each other? They should be staying away from each other. So that was crazy this morning. So, you know, so that's what I'm doing. Uh, be very careful, and I hope you're all being careful out there. You too, Sean. Okay. Yes, sir. Now, you do the same. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about something personal here because I was mentioning on Twitter that I have a health problem. And uh, I just wanted to, to talk about that just briefly. Um, people are asking me if I've got the virus, coronavirus or something like that. The answer is no, I'm fine, okay? And I'm not getting it, okay? Uh, um, but uh, I do have a health problem. As, as some of you may be aware, uh, I had uh, spinal fusion surgery in 2005. And so I, I've been a paraplegic since then. I went around and I one of these power chairs. You ever seen one of them power chairs, Sean? Uh, yeah. yeah. So this one here, I'm running down the street. It's, it goes six miles an hour, right? So <laughs> I ain't messing around. <laughs> so. Yeah, breaking all sorts of well, speed. Well, I'm not speeding. At least I don't think I am. But anyway, I, if I was going faster, I'd be speeding. I, I, I actually have it programmed to only go six miles an hour. Okay. Anyway. Um, recently, uh, I've been having uh, a, a tingling feeling in my uh, left arm, okay? And so I went to my doctor, and what we need to do is get to the bottom of what it is. So I took some uh, uh, cardio tests, and it's not cardio, okay? So my heart is fine and all that, which I figured it was anyway. And uh, so I went to a neurologist uh, last week, okay? and um, uh, what we think is that um, my um, um, my spinal cord injury, uh, my 
is, is deteriorating and it's going to be increased paralysis, perhaps. So what I need to do is get an MRI to uh, determine exactly what the problem is. And, um, you know, I'm just waiting for the appointment to go to the MRI and have it done. But I don't know what the solution is or whether there is a solution. Uh, surgery, I suppose, is a possibility. I would rather not do that. But the thing is, uh, uh, this is my left arm. I'm left-handed. I can't have it going numb on. Okay? If I can't use it anymore, I'm in big trouble. Okay? So I'll let you guys all know when I have a problem with that. I, I, I get a solution on that or I know what the results are and everything like that. But hopefully, um, hopefully it's not serious and they have something that can treat it or something like that. We'll, we'll just have to, I, I just don't know yet. Okay. Now, uh, again, uh, what we're going to do with this uh, podcast is I'm going to probably do uh, uh, one a week and you want to do one a week too, right? Okay. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do. But I still have uh, my other blog, the, uh, uh, the other podcast, the Big Bad Podcast. So I'm going to be doing one tomorrow, which is going to be kind of a WrestleMania preview. And I also have my uh, my blog, of course, and uh, it's less active, but I do I do post something every day. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I do a, a song of the day um, with a video. Yeah. And uh, what this is based on, for those who don't know, it's based on what plays at random on my internet radio station. Okay, and I've got it set up in such a way so that it'll play just about anything from any era. So it could play anything going back to the 1920s up until uh, the current day. Any kind of music, you know, could be anything, could be, I mean, I'm a big jazz fan, so it could be, you know, I love jazz. Could be anything. Okay, and then I figure out what to do as song of the day. And like uh, today, for example, my song of the day is the song, uh, the 1984 uh, uh, single uh, Hold Me by Teddy Pendergrass uh, featuring Whitney Houston. Okay, so the interesting thing about that particular song is that was Whitney Houston's first appearance on record. Okay, and uh, it was on Teddy's uh, 1984 album, um, it was his big comeback album after he had that accident and became a paraplegic. And um, so uh, she appeared on that record. She hadn't released her album yet. It was on her album as well. And the most interesting thing about that uh, song, about that record, is it made her ineligible for the Best New Artist Grammy. Okay. And so that, that's the most interesting mm -hmm. thing about it. So that's what it's about. And there's a video and everything. So that's normally what I do. So if you're interested in music and that sort of thing, I never know what I'm going to do from day to day. You know, it just depends on what gets, what gets played. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I, I even am, I'm good about writing about even stuff that I don't like. Okay. So, so <laughs> you just never know. It could be something that I really like. It could be something that I don't, I don't care for. So you never know. I, of course, I'm a big Teddy fan. Did you see the uh, Showtime documentary about Teddy Pendergrass? I didn't actually. I'm, I'm, I'm going to actually watch it uh, probably today, okay. if not you tomorrow. You can watch that on uh, Showtime On Demand. I watched it last year. Um, it's on here. It's on in Canada on uh, Crave. 
And uh, I wrote a review for it for the uh, Spinal Cord Ontario magazine. They asked me to write about it. So I wrote a review about it. And uh, it's pretty good. It was produced by his family for the most part. And uh, so uh, it's pretty good. He was one of the top singers in the 70s. There's no question. They called him the Black Elvis. Okay. Yeah, he was big. For, he's put quite an imprint on music. He was, but of course, he had that big car accident. And one of the things they show in the documentary is that clip of him performing at Farm Aid with uh, Ashford and Simpson. Okay? It's like uh, that was his first time performing live after the spinal cord injury. Okay? But he continued to record until he decided at one point to retire, that he wrote his autobiography, and then he died. Uh, but uh, he was a great uh, he was a great performer. I'm a big fan of his. I watch all kinds of music documentaries, you know. Uh, there's the new one out about the band that I got to watch. It just uh, went on today here in Canada. Okay, so anyway, so I do that every day on the blog. And so, uh, you know, if you're interested in music, uh, that's something you might want to check out. But hopefully, you know, this, uh, this, uh, uh, this uh, coronavirus thing will pass and we'll get back to normal. But... Uh, I don't know. There ain't much happening right now. Like I said, got WrestleMania this weekend, so I'll be watching that. Okay. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to finish up with? Uh, just want everybody to be safe out there and take care of one another. If you can take care of yourself, take care of one, be, be nice to one another, man. And people are getting pretty ugly. Yeah, yeah, like like I said this morning, these, these two guys, they almost got into a fight. I couldn't believe it. And I had to go. I didn't stay. I had to go because I had to take the streetcar. Uh, to go do my groceries. So I didn't want to hang around. And I actually saw the guy at the, the streetcar stop, but I told him, he says, don't do shit like that. You know, you know, yeah, yeah. it's, I mean, it's crazy. It. You know, the guy's an asshole. Forget about it. You know, so, um, but, you know, uh, people really be safe out there. Don't do dumb things. You know, stay away from each other and uh, stay home if possible. Uh, anyways, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, uh, be back next week. Uh, if you have any questions for uh, either of my podcasts or my blog, you can leave them on Anchor's voicemail. If you'd like to subscribe to either of my podcasts, you can do so at Google Podcasts, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Have a good week. We'll talk to you later.